Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice. Um, we're going to approach, again, some old scholarship just because we run into these terms even in our modern practice of Buddhism as we read different translations as the Hervitz translation of the Lotus Sutra, we run into these terms and you, I, I certainly in my years of practice would run into these terms and I think, well, are these, are these more scholarship from Shakyamuni or are they you know, tangent schools, more research, where do they come from? One thing that became apparent very, uh, rather early on in my study is that uh, much of the terminology in Buddhism refers to teachings that uh, go all the way back to Vedic traditions, which some scholars have found uh, at the end of the last ice age. I mean, almost 12,000 years ago, right? And they are slowly over thousands of years incorporated into uh, Brahmanic sects and uh, um, um, Hinduisms. Yeah, D very many, many schools of uh, what falls under the rubric or the umbrella term of Hinduism, um, and various offshoots from that, right? Including Jainism, and uh, which is associated very much with Buddhism, but uh, very, very much glued to the idea of soul, reincarnation, uh, enduring uh, uh, selves. So it's not Buddhism uh, for that very profound reason. But that kind of thinking was endemic to the Indian uh, country and all of its various um, uh, provinces, state, I don't know, Actually, I have to confess, I'm not sure how they divide up, but the country has very many different identities. So don't make this mistake of a typical Westerner who thinks all Indian people, uh, Asian Indian people, are you know of one country. Yes, they are of one country, but their country has vast differences uh, in different areas, different cultures, uh, different languages, right? So... Um, all of that is to say that when we use the term Agama Sutras, uh, we are talking about teachings or sutras that span a huge uh, swath of time. And they're not strictly Buddhist, but they were incorporated into Buddhism, much as I was about to say, many words in Buddhism were quite revolutionary in Shakyamuni's day because he either modified their meaning or expanded their meaning or outright controverted their meaning. Like we've talked about karma before as a, something that was um, really put upon you, like a destiny that was given to you by the elders like they knew. Whereas complete flip of that with Shakyamuni is uh, karma is of your your self, your instantiation, it's all you and it's up to you to influence it in a path that you find more life affirming, that affirms your existence of your karmic amalgam in a positive or constructive way rather than deconstructive, which is where we head 
uh, with samsaric attachment. Yeah, that's the dividing line in Buddhism. Well, that certainly wasn't the way that karma was considered before Shakyamuni. It scared and angered many, many people, including those in control. So Shakyamuni was not a friend to all. He was seen as a, quite a revolutionary and a threat, in fact. So um, think of that as we discuss the Agama in this installation of Buddhism Reference, Volume 2. The various Agamas, and this is in Buddhism now. We'll get to Hinduism near the end. But in Buddhism, there are four extant collections of Agamas, and one for which we have only references and fragments, the Kshudrakagama. The four extant collections are preserved in their entirety only in Chinese translation, although small portions of all four have recently been discovered in Sanskrit, and portions of the four of the five Agamas are preserved in Tibetan. And that goes back to, again, I'll refer to Gandhara and that tremendous find just, I don't know, 20, maybe 40 years ago, but that's pretty recent. The five Agamas are the Dirga Agama, uh, Long Discourses, corresponds to the Diga Nikaya of the Pali Canon. If you can call it a canon, the, the assembled Pali translations are, are um, very guarded by early Buddhists as the words of Shakyamuni, but in fact, they're no different than any of the other translations. Uh, the only, the, if, if you wanted to go back in a time machine and talk to uh, Ananda or other monks who were alive at the time of uh, Shakyamuni or uh, directly thereafter, you would be hearing their memorization of the words of Shakyamuni because it was an oral tradition, right? And the closer you get to the source, the more reliable you could understand those uh, memorizations to be. But the actual writing down of uh, those memorizations and uh, any scholarship around them didn't happen till hundreds of years later. So those of you who think the Pali Canon was written by Shakyamuni, uh, get over yourselves. That just didn't happen, okay? A complete version of the Dhirga Agama of the Dharmaguptaka school was done by Budayasas and Zhu Funyan, in the late Qin dynasty, dated to 413 CE. So this is a full thousand years after the extinction of Shakyamuni. It contains 30 sutras in contrast to the 34, 34 suttas of the Theravadan Diganakaya, a very substantial portion of the Sravastavadin Dirga Agama survives in Sanskrit and Portions survive in Tibetan translation. So it gives you an idea um, how Buddhism moved around. And these are specifically agamas uh, within the Buddhist scholarship. We, we haven't gone beyond that yet. The, Madhyama, the Madhyama agama, the middle length discourses, corresponds to the Majjhyama. Sorry, Majjama 
Nakaya of the Pali Canon, a complete translation of a Madhyama Gama of the Sarvastivada school was done by Samgadeva in the Eastern Jin Dynasty in 397 to 398 CE, so that's prior to the uh, Long Discourse, the Mahayama or the Mahyama, Madhyama Agama of the Sarvastivada school contains 222 sutras, in contrast to the 152 sutras of the Pali Madhyama Nakaya. So quite a vast difference there, yeah? Portions of the Sarvastivada Madhyama Agama also survive in the Tibetan tradition. The Samyukta Agama, the Samyukta Agama, the connected discourses, corresponds to the Samyutta Nakaya of the Theravada school, a Chinese translation of the complete Samyukta Agama of the Sarvastivada school was done by Gunbadar in uh, the Song state, dated to 435 to 443 CE. Portions of the Sarvastivada Samyukta Agama also survive in Sanskrit and Tibetan translation. In 2014, the co collation and annotation of Samyukta Agama, Chinese version, written by Wang Jingwei and Jinhui, was published in China. There is also an incomplete Chinese translation of the Samyukta Agama, Taisho 100, of the Kashyapiya school in an unknown translator, by an unknown translator, from around the Three Jin period, uh, 352 to 431 CE. That's a, a wide berth. A comparison of the Sarastivadan, Kashyapiya, and Theravadan text reveals a considerable consistency of content, although each recension contains text not found in the others. Interesting. The Ekotara Agama, our numbered discourses, corresponds to the Agotara Nakaya of the Theravada school. A complete version of the Ekotara Agama was translated by Dharmanandi of the uh, Fu Qin state and edited by Gautama Sham Gavdeva in 397 to 398 CE. So within a hundred year period, a lot of this was translated into Chinese, yeah? Some believe that it came from the Sarvastivada school, but more recently, the Mahasamgika, there they are again, branch has been proposed as well. According to A.K. Warder, the Ekotara Agama references 250 Pratmo rules for monks, which agrees only with the Dharmagupta Vinaya, which is also located in the Chinese Buddhist canon. He also views some of the doctrine as contradicting tenets of the Mahakasgika school, Masamgika school, and states that they agree with the Dharmaguptaka views currently known. He therefore concludes that the extant Ekotara Gagama is that of the Dharmaguptaka school. Of the four Agamas of the Sans uh, Sanskritic Sutra Pitaka in the Chinese Buddhist canon, it is the one which dif differs most from the Theravada uh, 
version. The Ekotara Agama contains variants of such standard teachings as the Noble Eightfold Path. According to Kyon, there is considerable disparity between the Pali and the Chinese versions, with more than two-thirds of the sutras found in one, but not the other, compilation, which suggests that much of this portion of the Sutra Pitaka was not formed until a fairly late date. So, in inclusions of schools wanting to see their idea of precepts and, and behaviors and so forth inculcated into what falls under this rubric of the Agama, right? There's quite a similarity between this and what we spoke of in the last video on the Abhidharma, isn't there? The Kusadraka, uh, Ksudraka Agama, the minor collection, corresponds to the Kudaka Nikaya and existed in some schools. The Dharmagupta, in particular, had a Ksudraka Agama. The Chinese translation of the Dharmaguptaka Vinaya provides a table of contents for the Dharmaguptaka recension of the Ksudraka Agama, and fragments in Gandhari appear to have been found. Items from this Agama also survive in Tibetan and Chinese translation, 14 texts in the latter case. Some schools, notably the Saravastivada, recognized only four Agamas. They had a Ksudaraka, which they did not consider to be an Agama. Others, including even the Dharmagaptaka, uh, uh, according to some contemporary scholars, preferred to term it as a Ksudraka Pitaka, as with its Pali counterpart, the Ksudraka Agama appears to have been a miscellany and was perhaps never definitely established among many early schools. So some errant scholarship of Buddhism. Now, let's talk about Agama Sutras in Hinduism. The Agamas Romanize, uh, sorry, are a collection of several tantric literature and scriptures of Hindu schools. The term literally means tradition or that which come down, has come down, and the Agama texts describe cosmology, epistemology, philosoph philosophical doctrines, precepts on meditation and practices, four kinds of yoga, mantras, temple construction, deity worship, and ways to attain sixfold desires. These canonical texts are in Tamil and Sanskrit. So you see the history? Kind of helps you understand these Agama Sutras were the rule makers, the school makers, precepts for their schools way back from the earliest traditions. So culturally, you can see how this format, this, this need for formalizing slipped right into Buddhism, didn't it? That, that's not strictly Buddhist. It's not Shakyamuni's teaching, but it is a way of formalizing how to practice, learn, conduct yourself as a monk leaving the household life to learn and practice Shakyamuni's teachings. Ah, so in that respect, you can now review in your mind 
Oh, the Agama Sutras, they're, they're sutras, but they're not the teaching of Shakyamuni. They're the cultural and organizational framework for learning Shakyamuni's teachings. Ah, now, I know I'll get debate on that, but doesn't that help give you a different perspective? Hmm? When I first read Agama Sutras, I, what, what, I didn't hear about those teachings of Shakyamuni. Well, they're not. But they're incorporated into the scholarship of practicing Shakyamuni's teachings. So at first glance, I, it could be very confusing, yeah. Okay, moving on. The three main branches of Agama texts are Shaiva, Vaishnava, and Shakta. The Agamic traditions are sometimes called Tantrism, although the term Tantra is usually used specifically to refer to Shakta Agamas. The Agama literature is voluminous, it would be, and includes 28 Shaiva Agamas, 64 Shakta Agamas, also called Tantras, and 108 Vaishnava Agamas, also called Pancharata Samhitas, and numerous Upa Agamas. The origin and chronology of Agamas is unclear. Some are Vedic and others are non-Vedic. Agama traditions include yoga and self-realization concepts. Some include Kundalini yoga, ascetism, and philosophies ranging from Dvaita or dualism to Advaita, monanism. Uh, some suggest that these are post-Vedic texts, others as pre-Vedic compositions dating back to over 1100 BCE. Epigraphical and archaeological evidence suggests that Agama texts were in existence about the middle of the first millennium in the Pallava dynasty era. Scholars note that some passages in the Hindu Agama text appear to repudiate the authority of the Vedas, while other passages assert that their precepts reveal the true spirit of the Vedas. The Agama's literary genre may also be found in Shramanic traditions, i.e. Buddhist, Jaina, and so on. Bali Hindu tradition is officially called Agama Hindu Dharma in Indonesia. So that's really all you need to know about Agamas. Uh, you can, again, do a deep dive for yourself on that. But um, just, uh, just uh, to note that as we run into these terms, they have deep-seated histories, and a lot of these histories, cultural histories, they get dragged into and shoehorned into Buddhism, but that doesn't mean that they are Buddhist teachings. They are formalizations of behavior and constructs of organizations and schools uh, that might help one modern Buddhist, like you and I, understand how these cloistered groups studying and dedicating their lives to Shakyamuni's teachings might have formalized their, their practice, right? Their study. Um, and consequently, how that might influence the splintering off of other schools. So over hundreds of years, you can imagine how difficult it would be to sift through all of that information to find the kernel of truth, of maybe not just truth, but the actual teachings of Shakyamuni's sermons. Yeah? 
Um, but it does happen. It does come through. And we see in the history of Buddhism this, these marked uh, um, scholars like Nagarjuna, like Vasubandhu. Even though it wasn't all of Vasubandhu's life, there was a period in his life where, aha, he had his Renge moment, yeah? And uh, that's why we read about the skandhas and the formations, hmm? Uh, and so on and so forth, right through to Tendai, Dengyo, Myalo, Nichiren, of course. So uh, don't get too distracted by these other terms, but I think uh, it can be helpful, not for all, but for some of us who I love to, to question things and, you know, we get little kernels of doubt. Uh, hopefully that's helpful for understanding the progression of scholarship throughout Buddhism, yeah? All right, next term is Amitabha or Amida. Lots of uh, talk about that, right? Even in modern day Shinto and other practices. Um, and also, as you've heard me say many times, incredibly not Shakyamuni's teachings. Obviously not, but still has millions of adherents. So we'll talk about that next time. In the meantime, Savor your practice. Namo myoho kyo right? Awaken your Buddha and take care of your health so you can experience it and help others to do so as well. Thank you for listening. All links, as always, in the description so you can use this resource. Don't forget the playlists for this as this grows this volume two of Buddhism reference and the other playlist. Don't forget the ebooks, the threefoldlotus.com, all of it. You know where to look. And I will see you in the next one. All right. Bye for now.